1: Again, he says, all the promises of God in him, in Christ, are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God. Paul wanted to reground the Corinthians in the assurance of God's word because if the minister of God is, is flaky and he's one way one day and another way another day, then maybe God is that way and maybe I can't really trust God if his ministers are that way. And Paul says, no, you need to understand, no, our God is secure our God is steadfast God alone
0: is the one in whom you can place your full trust pastor David assures us that although so much in life is changing and uncertain God is steadfast and strong Paul's defense to those who criticized him was that it was God in him that fueled his ministry therefore when we are weak or endure trials in life those are moments we can understand how God is with us assurance comes from God because of his great love which can be experienced now in a relationship with God Now here's Pastor David with part three of today's message entitled, Love in the Midst of Conflict.
1: what Paul's plan was is listen i'm going to leave here and i'm going to travel he leave here from ephesus and i'm going to travel over to corinth and i'm going to visit you guys visit you guys for a while and then i'm going to go on up to macedonia and then I'm going to come back down to you guys, and I'm probably going to spend quite an extended time. I'm going to stay with you maybe through the winter. So that's what he had written to them. That's what they understood. But unfortunately, that didn't work out that way. The verse that first comes to mind with me when, whenever I read this is Proverbs 16:9, where it says that a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. You know, there's there's a lot of things that we can plan and purpose in our life, and yet. Man, we do it with a full heart, we do it with a great desire, we believe that it's led by the Lord, and yet suddenly, man, things change, and the Lord directs us in a different way, and perhaps that's exactly what's taken place here with Paul. Perhaps Paul had planned to take that opportunity to visit Corinth both before and after he had gone to Macedonia. Undoubtedly, he had shared with him his desire to do that in that earlier writing, but the Lord de- redirected his path. So if the journey had gone as planned, though, you need to understand his first visit would have been the first time that he visited them in three years since the planting of the church. As it turns out, he made the first visit, but the conflict was so great in that first visit that when he went up to Macedonia, he did not come back again. He went from Macedonia back over to Ephesus and then down to Judea. Because again, all the turnout as it turns out that, that conflict had been so intense that he wasn't gonna make that second trip and that seemed to be a real problem with some of the people. They they started saying, Well, he's really flaky. You know, he says he's going to come and see us and he doesn't come and see us. He makes all these plans and all these desires and stuff and then all of a sudden he flakes out on us. And so all this, again, this, this backbiting, this murmuring, this complaining that's going on with all of it. Again, they began to accuse Paul of being double-minded. They accuse him of being flighty in his ministry decisions. Look what verse 17 says. Therefore, when I was planning this, did I do it lightly? Or the things I planned, do I plan according to the flesh? That with me, there on one hand is yes, yes, but on the other, it's no, no. But as God is faithful, our word to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanus, and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. And then he just puts in this theological truth. He says, For all the promises of God in Christ, in him, are yes. And in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. So Paul tries to help him to understand that neither his initial plans nor the change of plans, none of that was done lightly, none of that was done without prayer and without full consideration. He uses it also as an as a opportunity to assure the Corinthians that our God is steadfast. Our God isn't flippant, our God isn't one way one day and another way the next simply because of circumstances that we find ourselves. Again, he says, all the promises of God in him, in Christ, are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God. Paul wanted to reground the Corinthians in the assurance of God's word because if the minister of God is is flaky and he's one way one day and another way another day, then maybe God is that way and maybe I can't really trust God if his ministers are that way. And Paul says, no, you need to understand, no, our God is secure. Our God is steadfast. There's no doubt that the plans of man, at times they're going to change due to circumstances. I mean, I could, I could go probably year after year after year of the 25 years we've been in ministry here of things that we, man, we prayed about, we talked about, we discussed, we thought, hey, here's a great direction for us to go as a ministry, or here's a great program that we could do as a ministry, and then all of a sudden, nah, that didn't work out. Let's do something else. Let's go a different direction. Again, the plans of man will change. Sometimes circumstances happen beyond the power to make that, that change or that difference. Man, you, you want to go this way, but events take place. It's just not happening. And yet the plans and the purposes of God in our lives, church, we need to understand they are solid. God's plans are sure. God's plans are secure. Even Balaam, the Old Testament prophet, you remember him? He was the, uh, the prophet for hire or the prophet for profit. Uh, if you know what I mean. He he was a guy that you, you you could buy his prophecies. Balak wanted him to go and prophesy against Israel, and he just couldn't do it. And finally, Balaam says, he says, what, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said it, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Beloved, that's the kind of God that you and I serve. When his word declares something, we can stand fast on that word. When his promise comes through to us, we can stand on those things. Even though the world is shaken all around us, even though the winds might blow strong from all kinds of directions, we find ourselves in a whirlwind or a tornado. You need to understand our God stays secure in the midst of all of that. And even as Paul says in Romans chapter 3, verse 4, let God be true and every man a liar. This assurance of the work and the direction of our lives is made sure by that abiding work of the Holy Spirit within the heart and life of every believer, of every believer. Paul tells us here in verse 12. He says, now he, speaking of God, who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. That's verse 21 and 22. He establishes us, he anoints us, he seals us, he gives us a guarantee. Every believer, when you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ in your life, the Holy Spirit comes and abides within you. That is the seal. That is the promise of God. That is the Word of God. If you don't have the Holy Spirit within you, the Word of God says then you're none of His. Every believer has the Holy Spirit within them, abiding with them. He's given to each believer as a guarantee. And these four great terms here that that Paul puts out, uh, that the Holy Spirit establishes us. He Anoints us. He seals us. He gives us that guarantee. Man, that 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 that's such a solid, rock solid foundation of what God is doing in each one of our lives. I'll just ask the question for you here tonight. And yeah, you can go ahead and give me a show of hands. For those of you who are saved, who you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you know you're a believer. How many of you at times might feel that you're not saved? We go through those things. Man, Man, the world just flat beats us to the ground. And man, we're suddenly we find ourselves so much in the flesh, we're wondering, oh, Lord, where are you in the midst of this? But I want to assure you on, on, on God's word that the Holy Spirit within the life of a believer is the thing that holds you together not your abilities, not your strength. If it, was, if it was our strength, let's face it, we'd all be in a mess. We'd all be in a mess. It's not by our abilities or our talents or our steadfastness even, but it's the work of God in our lives. The InterVarsity Press New Testament commentary on Second Corinthians has, has a great deal here. I, I was going to try and shorten it up and kind of put it in my own words, but it was so good, this bear with me as i share some things here with you in reference to this they write there that paul chooses four terms that are drawn from the familiar world of law religion and commerce and he does that to describe the spirit's activity in the life of the congregation of believers He writes, to confirm, or in the New King James, it was to establish. That's a technical term for the legal guarantee that a seller gives a buyer to ensure the validity of the sale against any possible third-party claims. As applied to the Spirit, and this is the important part, it depicts the Spirit's job in confirming the ongoing validity of God's relationship with his people. Why? It's the Holy Spirit that's within us. How do I prove that I'm a believer? Guess what? I can't prove that I'm a believer. I can't. But the Spirit of God in me is the proof for me that I'm a believer. Let's face it, we can scam each other, can't we? We can come on and we can put on the happy face. We can talk Christianese all day long and really impress people. But is it real and true in our heart? I can't see in your heart. And you can't see in my heart. But the Holy Spirit, in conjunction and agreement with my spirit, gives us that guarantee that we are the children of God. It's the ongoing validity. The other word that he uses here, to anoint. Anoint is the word used in the Old Testament for the commission of, of particular offices like king or priest or prophet. And it's used metaphorically of the Spirit's equipping for mission or service. By the action of anointing, Paul has in mind the Spirit's empowering or equipping the church and individual believers to carry forth Christ's mission into the world. So you see, it's the anointing of, your, of the Holy Spirit within our life that empowers us. Now, let me stop right here and say this. I believe that you can be anointed more than what you are. I believe that there can be this continual filling, this anointing, what the Word of God says, being baptized in the Spirit in in a way that, again, empowers you beyond where you're at in Him. That is a work of God. Do I have the Holy Spirit within me? Yes, as a believer. And is that full anointing on me? You know, sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. Sometimes I experience that and sometimes I don't. And so I know that that anointing is something that can continually take place and continually be growing within our lives. This, the, the third thing, the, the seal, that he is the seal. The Greek word is funny. It's sfragizo, sphragizo, S-P-H-R-A-G-I-Z-O. Well, the seal, the word that he uses there, in the commercial world, of of Paul's day, it refers to the means by which money, goods, or documents are secured for delivery. So a seal was both a mark of ownership and proof that the goods in question had not been tampered with or falsified in transit. We see that today very easily. A lot of times you see big semi-trucks and on the back door of them, they'll have a seal on them So that when they get to the delivery point, whether it be the Walmart distribution center or a a host of other delivery points, they look and they check that seal, first of all, because they want to know, has someone been tampering with these things? Have they been secure? Have they been kept in a safe way? That's that seal. No one can dispute if That seal is still there. You can't come up and say, hey, somebody's been in here messing around. Wait a minute. Was the seal there? Yes, it was. Well, then, it's the same way that I picked it up. I'm just the driver, okay? Well, in the same way, God has placed his mark of ownership on us by sealing us with the Holy Spirit. No one can remove us from his ownership until the day of redemption, folks. We are sealed by his power not by my power. We're sealed by his authority, not by my authority. We're sealed by the work of Christ, not by my work. If I did nothing to gain it, I can't lose it. You might say, well, pastor, you're you're giving freedom for people to go and live any way they want to. Well, let me remind you of something I shared a long time ago. Augustine, or Augustine, early church father. I loved what he said. Let every man's heart be 100% sold out to God and then let him go and do as he pleases. You think, whoa, how can you say? Think about it for a moment. If your heart is 100% sold out for God, what are you going to please to do? You're going to please to do his will. You see, so if if I'm saying, well, man, I'm sealed, I've I've got security as a believer, I've got once saved, always saved, all these phrases and terminologies that that fly around in, in churches. If I know that God has done the work in me, then I have this assurance that I'm truly his. And I don't want to live my life in a way that brings dishonor to him. And if I find myself living in a way that continually brings dishonor to him, guess what? I need to be reminded also of what Paul says. Hey, examine yourself. See if you're in the faith or not. I mean, Paul writes to the church and he says those things. So yeah, I think it's important. How we live is important. The choices that we make are definitely important. They don't get us saved, but beloved, it's the fruit of our life that again testifies even in our own lives that I truly am his, right? may blow it on occasion. I may go a season in my life where I'm walking and running away. But the fact is, is I'm his. I've been sealed by him. Not because of anything, but because of his great love, he saved me. That's that sealing work. And then last one, that guarantee. Aerobon is the, the Greek word. A-R-R-A-B-O-N. Aerobon. Again, it's, it's a legal term. It pertains to contracts of sale or service. And in the case of a contract of sale, the Erobon in Hebrew law was something handed over as security to be reclaimed at a later date, while in Greek law it referred to the earnest money that a buyer would give the seller prior to the actual sale or delivery of the item. So today, bringing that into today's frame of mind, Today, we might think in terms of a down payment that we would make on a house or a car with the intent of paying the balance at some future date. I want to buy your car. I can't afford it all today. Here's $500. I'll pay the rest uh, you know, in, in two or three weeks. Let me get the loan or find the money or whatever. Here's $500. That's the guarantee that I'm coming back for it. Now, if you were selling a car, say a car for $5,000, and I came up to you and I said, hey, I really want your car. Let me give you a down payment for, you, for it. And I gave you $2. Would you consider that a down payment? No, because you know, that, that's, not very, that's not very impressive. $2, no, you'd walk away from $2. I'm waiting until I get a good buyer on this car. You can keep your down payment or whatever. I'm, no, no, that's not gonna work. But if I came up to you I gave you something of great riches, of great value, i.e. for you and I as a believer, the Holy Spirit within our lives. He gives us the Holy Spirit within our lives as that guarantee that, hey, I am going away, but I'm coming again. I'm going to receive you unto myself. Where I am there, you might be also. That's the guarantee that you and I have, the Holy Spirit within our lives. And Paul says, man, that's what God has given us. You want to hear something really cool? In the Greek language, even today in Greece, the Hei herabone. you know what that is? See, I don't think we have any in there, but some of you ladies have had one in the past. It's called an engagement ring, an engagement ring. The Hei herabone, the Erebone, the guarantee. If he gave you a cigar band, that's not much of a guarantee, ladies. (laughs) But if he gave you something of great value, you know, this is my promise. This is my guarantee. I want you as my wife. You see, that's what God has done for us. He's given us his Holy Spirit. Why? Because he wants us as his bride, as his bride. And that's the hope, that's the assurance, that's the seal. Man, that's the anointing, that's the promise that's ours in Christ. After giving. That great assurance to the church there at Corinth, Paul explains to them that was a good thing for him that he didn't come back to Corinth that second time. Look what he says here as we kind of finish up this little area. Verse 23, Moreover, I call God as my witness against my soul, that to spare you I came no more to Corinth. Not that we have dominion over your faith, but we're fellow workers for your joy, for by faith you stand. You see, Paul didn't want to go back and be the heavy hand. He didn't want to be that guy, you know. Oh, no, here comes Paul and everybody fearing that Paul. No, he, he loved him so much he wanted to come. And he said, man, I'm, I'm glad I didn't come back to you because I would have had to have been the heavy hand. But look at this, and then we'll close with this. Chapter 2 of Second Corinthians. No, we're not going to go through the whole chapter, but I think these first couple of verses tie in with what we're saying here. Paul says, but I determined this within myself, that I would not come again to you in sorrow. For if I make you sorrowful, then who is he who makes me glad but the one who has been made sorrowful by me? And I wrote this very thing to you, lest when I come, I should have sorrow over those from whom I ought to have joy, having confidence in you, in you all, that my joy is the joy of you all, or of y'all, if you want to put it that way. And verse four, for out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears, not that you should be grieved, but that you might know the love which I have so abundantly for you. What an amazing heart Paul had for these people. It continually brought attack after attack, and yet his love continued. God grant that we might have that same kind of patient, endurance, and humility with each other within the body of Christ. That the love that God continues to give us, that God continues to demonstrate in our own lives over and over, that we would be willing and able to share that kind of a love with each other. As a demonstration to the world that we're His. How do they know that we're His? By our love, One for another. hearts
0: us from within by the. Open word. Second Corinthians 5:17 tells us that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That means you're made completely new in Jesus. He has washed away every sin that has blemished your past and has given you the opportunity to start fresh and live a different life. If you want to know more about Jesus and the life of forgiveness and love He has waiting for you, please give us a call at 520-836-9676. That number again is 520-836-9676. You can also send us an email by visiting our website at theopenword.com. As a next step, we encourage you to find a solid, Bible-based church to help you grow in your walk with God. With a special invitation regarding that, here's Pastor David.
1: Yes, thanks, Chris. Even as believers, most of us need a fresh start at times. I hope that today's message has encouraged you in your faith and given you a hunger to learn more about God. If you're in the Casa Grande area and are looking for a church to attend, I'd be honored to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. You can find directions and service times by visiting theopenword.com and following the links at the bottom of the page to our church homepage. We'd love to have you get connected in, being a part of our time of worshiping our Creator and studying the words of the Bible verse by verse as we all strive to grow closer to Him each week. Thanks,
0: Pastor David. We're so glad you joined us today here on The Open Word. Pastor David will return to share more from the book of 2 Corinthians right here on The Open Word. Make us whole.